Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Sukun, a Muslim wellness podcast by Nasimko. My name is Farhana Kasamali and I will be your host through this journey we take together towards holistic wellness within an Islamic framework. Over the course of the next year, we will speak to 12 community leaders, experts, and mental health and wellness professionals who will enrich us with their healing words, stories, and personal journeys on their path to wellness. Indeed, those who have said our Lord is Allah and then remained on a right course, the angels will descend upon them, saying, do not fear and do not grieve, but receive good tidings of paradise, which you were promised. Surah Fusilat Ayah number 30. Join me every month as we begin these essential conversations to promote our community's well-being and healing, and to begin to unravel the ways in which we as a community can heal individually, internally, and also collectively in unity. Please note, this episode contains themes of depression, anxiety, and other potentially triggering discussions. If you or someone you know is in crisis or in need of support, please look to our show notes for resources. This episode is very special as we are recording live at the 2023 annual Nasimco Conference held at the Al-Mahdi Center in Hicksville, New York. And I'm really happy to introduce our guest for this month, Sheikh Bilal Hussain, resident alum of Sijdi. Welcome, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum. How are you doing? Uh, doing all right, I think. How's the conference been for you? Hectic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any favorite parts? Hanging out with the kids. So the younger audiences, there was a matchmaking session, which was a lot of fun. Working with the teachers and all the children who have come out with their families. Spend some time with them. Laugh, joke, have a good time. Yeah. Did you participate in helping with the matchmaking session? Well, as much as it's my role to, I mean, it's a pretty professionally well set up, organized program that's running. My role is more as kind of like a facilitator. Okay. So talking to them, giving them good ideas of what they should be thinking about, what to look for, and um, helping to calm some nerves. Yeah. How do you think it went? I thought it was very well executed. I am very appreciative for the people who put in the effort to make Shia match work. And the amount of effort that they're dedicating is fantastic. Um, and people who are, and it's true, right now it's very hard to find good resourceful relationships and opportunities so, you know, our community stepping up and looking at this as a priority, I think, is really beneficial and important. Yeah. It's a good effort. Yeah. Do you think the spouse searching process is one of the bigger issues facing kind of the 20s and 30s generation? I think it's one of the issues to, to numerically assign a value. So, so here's the thing about Shias in North America. Because we have such a diaspora of people born here, born overseas, first generation, second generation, uh, different backgrounds coming together, different cultures coming together, there's a lot of different problems. It's very hard to say that one's a greater priority than the other, Um, but it is definitely an issue that how do you find a spouse these days? It's a tough question to answer. Yeah. Do you have an answer? <laughs> Ask God for help. Okay, there we go. So pray, people. That's that's the answer. We have this. Listen, there's so uh, look. There's there's discussions which say pray for good friends. Right. There's pr- prayers that say pray for good kids, pray for good spouses. Even in the Quran, we see Ibrahim salam making this du'a. Rabbi Rabbana hablana azwajna wa May oh Allah put love in our hearts for our spouses and our children. Like, give us this opportunity. It's not it's not something that one should expect that it's your right that you receive it. It's something, and everything requires divine assistance. You know, when we think our power exceeds or is sufficient to meet our needs is where Allah wants us to see 
that no, you need me to accomplish good in life. You can't do it without me. So anything in life that we want that's good, we need to ask Allah for assistance. We we have to be involved with Allah to get to get to a good conclusion. Okay. Just to push back a little. So what if I told you I've been praying that same dua during Layl Qadr and I have friends who have been praying that same dua, not only Layl Qadr, but in every dua, namaz ashab, namaz kufala. Okay. Okay. They have tackled every opportunity they can, but the spouse, it's not happening. Well, so, okay. There's, so first and foremost, I always remember it's, it's prayers and action. Okay. It's never one or the other. It's prayers and action, which is why if someone ever came to us and said, I have cancer, I'm asking Allah to save me. We'd say, well, are you going to the hospital? Right. Are you going and getting the treatment? Yeah. The same is true, for example, when we're asking for our needs and desires in life, it's about asking Allah and doing the work. So to say that one is being done without us being able to validate the other side of the coin, can't really, can't really confirm that why isn't it coming true. The other thing is, is that Allah loves the caller when he calls. So... At the same point in time, if if our yaqeen in Allah is complete, then even if we're not getting what we think we are asking for, we have yaqeen that what's right for us, when it's right for us, shows itself up and we get to our good conclusion. So it, it's it's right, that belief in the power of God versus the power of man. That just because I asked for it doesn't mean now is the time for it. Could be that there's an appropriate time. It's going to take some time to get there. We do it with our children all the time. Right? Right. My kids have been asking to go to Dorney Park because it's not far from my house. Dorney Park right. is the absolute best. And I've I not really endorsed that statement. You. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but look, at the end of the day, right, my nine year old doesn't realize that when they go to that theme park, they're not tall enough to ride the rides. That's fair. He's just going to look at the rides and be disappointed because he can't sit on anything. But he doesn't understand that. Me telling him, he's like, let me at least try. But I know what the conclusion of that conversation is. So what am I doing? He's asking me, he's asking me, and I'm telling him that when the time's right, I'll take you. Why? I want him to just sprout enough where I know he can ride the rides. Before that, it's no point. So he gets excited about it. He wants to go, but it's not yet. Now is not the time where he's going to enjoy that experience completely. It's going to be at a particular time. If I can have that kind of knowledge and foresight for my child, then we have to understand that Allah has a more complete knowledge and foresight than us. So as long as we're doing the right things and we're asking him for assistance, even if it's not when we want it, it'll be when it's the right time to get to it. So, yeah. And again, we are not endorsing Dorney Park here. Uh, That's a subjective opinion. Okay. Dorney Park is part of my childhood. So you would also be paying an enormous amount for a ticket without him going on like any rides if and, he's not tall enough. Which is why he doesn't realize that. Right. So him right. not realizing that is not going to stop him. You know, and we've been having this conversation for two years now because we live in the neighborhood and you drive past it in the summer and yeah. you see it and he sees all and these he wonderful hears things. all the, and the people, people screaming laugh, but he's not ready for that experience physically he's not ready for it so it's like okay. me putting him in that situation answering his need now isn't going to make him happy right it might actually make him more depressed mm-hmm. make him more upset so yeah. what do i do i delay answering his need to where i know that he will get the maximum benefit right that's the same kind of certainty we have to have in Allah that if I'm asking and I'm doing the right things, even if it's not coming, that means that when it comes, it will be the right opportunity and the right time. Right. And a lot of people come to that conclusion afterwards, right? Yeah. Like when it happens and you're like, yeah, this makes sense now. Hindsight is twenty twenty. There you go. Do you at least take him to Ice Cream World? Of course. Okay. Well, just wanted to Their flying crossers are fantastic, actually. Yes. Excellent. So, so apart from spousal selection, when you meet with teenagers and then the groups kind of in the 20s and 30s 
and then the generation above is there one significant issue do you think everyone's having or do you think each group is just struggling with different things or so right if you look at categorizing things there are ways that you can categorize everything and you can do overarching categories as well too so an overarching category that i think especially for us in north america is is our muslim identity and struggling with being a muslim and what does that mean in every environment in every situation whether you're 30 and that's you're talking to how do i deal with my spouse and my kids whether you're 20 and how do i deal with islam and my work or you're 15 16 talking about islam muslims in school yeah every and and that's a good thing that's not a bad thing that overarchingly we're having these conversations about what does it mean to be a muslim in america and every age every age group every person as long as they're talking about islam and thinking about islam and thinking about how islam lives in their life yeah it's not a bad thing so it's like more than talking about it as a problem, I think collectively we're working on solutions of establishing our identity, being confident in who we are, getting past the duplicitous nature that you know previous generations have had, that I'm a Muslim when I go to mosque and I'm just like yeah. a white guy when I go to work. Right. We're trying to fix that. Mm-hmm. And I think by, by us talking about it, discussing it, supporting each other, sharing our problems, having these interactions, it's going to help us get to a better tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, if you were to ask what's the overarching, that, w- that would be it, our Muslim identity in America. Yeah. I think everybody's working on it. I think it's a very difficult question to answer as well, because, you know, here at the conference, we even brought up the idea of like being Quja. Like, what does that mean? Like, am I Quja? Am I a Muslim? And then am I raising my child? She's growing up in this country. Would she be consider herself American? Like, and what does that even mean to me for her to grow up in that way? I didn't grow up in this country. So mm-hmm. it's difficult sometimes for me to hear these things from the next generation, but they are growing up here. I expect her to participate in, you know, helping humanity in general, not just our community, to do her civic duty, to vote to do all these things that are a part of this country, but without losing the framework of who she is fundamentally, the foundation of which is you are Muslim. Muslims are less able to voice their opinion or just their belief system to say, look, I respect you as a person, but that is not what our religion supports. Do you have any words of advice to for the parents, for the kids? So this is a conversation that uh, here in New York and Sydney we've been having, yeah. and it is something that we're talking about. And there, there's two things. There's one, addressing the problem, and two, there's addressing the culture. In addressing the culture, we've, we've really been talking about creating what we call the bubble, creating an insular culture that brings our children into a safe place where we can control more of the variables that they're interacting with, whether that means through financing, funding private schools, after-school programs, keeping our community together, involving them in more uh, like-minded events and like-minded spaces is something that we as a community need to create. We need to build this that um, looks at our children and says that if I don't want them dealing with these difficult issues outside, then let me give them resources that keep them in a safe place until they can mature and they're better qualified with dealing with these issues outside. Nobody's saying you're never going to deal with it. But there's a very big difference between a 12-year-old dealing with these issues and a 20-year-old dealing with these issues, an 18-year-old dealing with these issues. Having the confidence to know your personality, who you are as an individual, giving our children that time. Now, that's on a communal level, building an insular environment. And as parents, that's something that we can do. Pay attention and, and create those friend circles. Sacrifice from your time to give them the Islamic environment. 
make sacrifices of our own desires to make that happen for the next generation. On an individual level, I think it's really important to teach our kids to talk to us and figure out what that conversation is. There was a study done a few years ago that talked about how much do parents actually talk to their children. And I think the figure was put at about 18 minutes a day. I want to say between 18 and 20 minutes a day. Mm. Whereas you're really talking to your child. You're not, for example, just giving them a command. Did you do this? Did you do that? But actually having a conversation. Without devices. Without devices. Without, think about it. I mean, look, look. Everybody has their responsibilities and the world is a very busy place, right? Mm -hmm. You get up, you got to get your kid to school. Did you brush your teeth? Did you make your bed? Where's your homework? Did you have breakfast? Did we actually talk to the child or did we just give them commands? Kid comes home, do your homework, clean your room. Did you eat, did you eat your lunch? Uh, what, you know, did you go for sports? Do we have this? And then after all of this is done, what's the next thing that we do? Get ready for bed, put away your homework, clean your room, go to sleep. Is there actually a conversation involved in any of this? Yeah. So on an individual level, we're not really teaching our children to talk to us. We're just essentially having a command a command, and you know, acceptance relationship. I give you commands, you listen to me and you do what I tell you to and life is good. Versus yeah. think about it and consciously have conversations, ask their opinions, discuss with them what's going on. It, and it doesn't have to be about, you know, and that's it. The other thing is we revert to interrogation formats. What did you do today? Oh, yeah. Who did you speak to? What was going on? What did your teacher say about this? Did you do this? Let's switch all of that, right? And learn to have a conversation. And sometimes to have these conversations, the easiest way is isolate the child. So I have to go run errands. I'll put my kid in the car with me. Okay. And the child will start talking about their ideas, their thoughts, their opinions. And that's what I want to learn. What's your favorite flavor? What's your favorite color? This opens the door of making them comfortable to talk to us about their opinions and their ideas. They feel valued in that conversation. That on an individual level will go so far that your child feels that they can come to you with a question and have a discussion with you, that's a tough thing to establish with your child. You can't just go up to them and say, hey, what do you think about the LGBTQ issue? They're like, oh. <laughs> so how do we- They'll do avoid you. I mean, exactly. if you. And they feel uncomfortable. So giving them an open space where they can start having casual conversations will eventually lead us to a place where we can have actual conversations. Yeah. No, I think that's really crucial. And I think I know for me, it's like, sometimes if my daughter says something, I try not to react too much. Like if she says like this person did, and I'm like, oh my God, why would you even talk to that person if that's how they're speaking? And it's like, she's like, I didn't know they were going to say that. And I think critically the having communities support, you know, like a basketball team for youth or whatever it is, you know, having them play on our turf so that there's less interaction. Like you said, you're you can't create a bubble forever, but at least if it's a little bit, then it can, it can help protect them just for a little bit longer. 100%. Yeah. Is that kind of what you guys do here at Sedgeting? It's a work in progress. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a realization and it, it, you know, as we're coming to the realization that this stuff needs to be created, it won't be done in a day. No. It's going to take, and the other thing is, is what happens is you have your early adopters and you have your, those who lag behind in the process. If you move too quick, you'll save or discuss with part of the community and you'll lose part of the community. Mm -hmm. So it's always about gradually socialization, working together, bringing people together, coming to the conclusion and the consensus. And, and, and that doesn't mean wait for everybody to get here and then we start, but looking at it in the process that, hey, it didn't get like this in a day. It's not gonna get better in a day. Let's start the work and yeah. inshallah we'll get there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I did take a course of yours and it was really excellent if you recall. I found it excellent. I guess you're not going to say that. 
Maybe you will. No, I won't say that. Okay. So we had homework with his course. For those listening, if Shake Law does offer it again, I highly recommend it. One of my friends took it after me. Um, we had different pieces of homework and some were like, you know, um, take time to do a longer sujud. But the homework that I had the most difficulty with, if you recall, was <laughs> handling people in just a much more positive way. Do you think that's something that other people are struggling with or was it just me or is just... No, I, I think, okay. Well, so, there's a reason you must have had that whole part. So, so let's let's structure the conversation correctly, right? Let's explain okay. what the issue is. The issue is, is that how do I give people the benefit of the doubt and assume the best of them when what they're saying and doing is actually harmful to me? Yes, absolutely. It makes you feel kind of really bad sometimes. So let, let's talk about why this is a bigger issue and why it's harder to give people the benefit of the doubt. Part of that I take a look at and look at as the individualistic culture of America, which values the individual identity more than anything else. And when everything is be being measured in the scale of how I feel and what works for me, we never give the other person the opportunity to have a place to exist or to make a mistake because it's always how it, what it did to me. I'm not thinking about the other person at all. I'm only thinking about in light of myself. That's how an American capitalistic system is designed to work. Because the more I individualize a person, the more their decisions are based on how they feel, not the consequences to society, environment, family, anyone. So a capitalistic environment is always going to promote the individual, not the society, because for society, I can make co compromises, sacrifices, but for my individualism, I don't feel I'm answerable to anyone. Consequence of that indiv strong individualism is, is that I'm very reactive to pain, discomfort, anything that someone makes me feel that takes me out of my comfort zone. So it's not that there's one person who's struggling with this, but society has built a system that is supposed to make us more sensitive. Now add in the layer of the internet, which allows me to voice my opinion on anything and everything. I'm allowed to comment on anything and everything. I'm allowed to talk about anything and everything. And I'm allowed to find people who support me for anything and everything I do. Now, as soon as you put in a contrary voice to my position, it hurts even more because I'm supposed to be feeling special as an individual. And I'm allowed to express every opinion that I have. So now when I see a contrary point to that, it's very hard for me to normalize it. It's very hard for me to accept it because I have supporters who support my ideology and opinion on the internet. I have my individualism that's speaking to me. And now all of a sudden I have someone who's standing against me. Instead of me thinking about, okay, well, is there any value to the statement? Okay, what's the perspective the person's bringing? Both the voices are done in extreme, that the person making the comment isn't reasonable, and the person receiving the comment isn't in a position to even accept criticism for it. So we're, we're a product of our environment. So if our environment is promoting, don't listen to others, don't think about what others are saying, when I hear that, it's harder for me to process and absorb yeah. because of the strength of individualism. So it's not the fact that it's a problem within one person or it's something that's unique to you as a, as a person that this is hard for you to do. But especially the more sensitive our position in life is or the more we feel our position in life is sensitive, the harder it is for to us to take a look at any comment ab about us with an objective mind. We feel like we should be given that leeway. We should be dealt with with consideration to our situation instead of saying that what was a consideration the person had when making the comment. So it's, it's really a natural process for this to come. And that's something that we have to overcome because the fundamental of that is the ego. Yes. 
it's all about the ego. And the ego is shaitan's playground. Shaitan wants your ego to grow. It wants it to be established, to be firm. And Allah wants the exact opposite. He wants that ego to be squashed. He wants you to get away from that ego. Which is why when we talk about taking criticism from others or giving other, others the benefit of the doubt, one of the fundamentals about it is, is give other people the consideration that you want Allah to give you. If I want Allah I mean, to forgive... I want that consideration from Allah. So then I have to give that consideration to get that consideration. But right? if only one person is giving that consideration, what if no one else changes? Still okay. Do you know why? Mm. Because when you go on the day of judgment and you didn't do what you were supposed to and you didn't do the right thing, and you stand before God and God says, why were you harsh with this person? You say, well, they were mean to me. Allah's going to say, I'm going to ask that person about what they did. You talk to me about what you did. So, which is why this is, and this is where, right, let's go back to where we started our conversation on the topic of marriage, mm -hmm. right? When our Prophet says, Man One who gets married has protected half of his faith. Part of that conversation, one of the philosophies that I believe is present in that statement, why half of your faith is protected, is that that relationship that we want with God, we've now found a manifestation of what that relationship looks like in humanity. If I want God to be merciful to me, Am I merciful to the person who I'm with that I can do anything to? When I know all of your secrets, your flaws, your good qualities, how do I treat you? And Allah knows all of my secrets, my flaws, my bad qualities. If I don't treat my spouse well, when I have this ability and I know everything bad about them and everything good about them and everything they think about, how can I ask Allah to treat me well? So it's, it's one of my thoughts on the philosophies of why marriage completes half your faith is the idea that you start seeing in what light do you hold God? Because that same light is the authority that I'm holding over this person. So however I treat them is the way I expect God to treat me. Yeah. Sucks, doesn't it? I kind of. <laughs> what? But if, if marriage is happier than, why does it seem like it's more difficult for people to get married? Like what? Nothing good in life. All is right. Easy. Okay. Fair? Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, we can... I have a whole bunch of these, you know, like uh, common phrases that we can throw around and throw back at, you know. Yeah, I'll share your email address at the end for people to kind of send that to. <laughs> but do you always have to rise above? Like, why don't you think a person would get exhausted rising above? Like, <laughs> uh, okay, fair I'm enough, just... right? But but listen, we're never going to rise higher than the Ahl Bayt. And the Ahl Bayt and their examples have been more mistreated, abused, and they've showed perfection in the approach of how to handle it. So what, what, why, why did that have to happen to them? It's so that you see that being religious doesn't mean that life is easy. And then two, the closer you want to be to Allah, the harder this place gets, because if you want to go to heaven, you got to yeah. earn it. It doesn't come for free. So if you can't go through the difficulty, you can't go to heaven, right? So it's an opportunity. So the way I like to explain this is, you know, like how um, graduate exams are being given now. Yeah. They're given over a computer, right? Mm -hmm. And what happens on the computer? If you answer the question right, what happens to the next question? It gets harder. And if you answer the question wrong, what happens? It gets easier. So think of it the same way now in, in the light of God. That Allah gives us a test. If we do well in that test, it doesn't mean the test is going to get easier. So the more pious you get, the test doesn't get easier. What happens? I've gathered this. <laughs> it gets harder so that you can get more from it. Okay. And if the test keeps getting easier, that means you're not answering the questions right. We've lost direction of what we want to accomplish. So to get a better reward, to get a better grade, 
test has to get harder. So, it, and that's it. Sometimes we think, I'm a good person. Why am I going through this? I'm a good person. Why me? I do all the things I'm supposed to. Why me? No, my dear friend, it's harder because you are a good person. It's only going to get harder if we intellectually can come to that conclusion that a good graduate exam gets harder as you get smarter. Then why is it hard to believe that the exam that Allah created this entire universe behind, yeah. that he wasn't already there to begin with and we were already dealing with this? He already knew we were going to go through it. There you go. Okay. That was good. That was good. That was really good. Okay. Um, so do you find that people come to you with this description of life becoming a little bit meh? Like, do you feel that way? Like life has become a little redundant or you just keep going through the same cycle as you get up, you do the same thing. Life has become just one thing after another, one struggle after another. Not personally. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I think that, you know, life is designed for self-development. Everything is about making the next day better than the last. So if my goal is progression, there's always something new to do. There's always something new to develop, something new to try. There's the next goal that I need to be working towards. If we get caught up in the American culture and lifestyle, you're absolutely right. The American lifestyle and culture is that once you're a good consumer, that's all I ever want you to be. Buy the next best thing. And that's it. Your education stops at the age of 20-something. You make enough money to fulfill your needs for the rest of your life, and you never have to think again. That's not what Islam wants. Yeah. Islam, right? What's the what's the very famous hadith, right? So search for knowledge from the cradle to the grave. So if we're searching for knowledge from the cradle to the grave, there's no opportunity for me to be mad. Yeah. I have to be working on the next best thing. I have to be thinking about what's my next character development? What's my next great thing that I have to be learning and working on? So, which is why American culture and personality is contrary and in conflict with the Islamic lifestyle of continuous growth and development. By the age of 30, we all think we know everything that's going to happen to us and that I know better for myself than anyone else and I'm good enough to live in the world. Yeah, you are. Does that mean you deserve to go to heaven? No. Yeah. Right? So if Allah gives you another day to live, it's another day to learn and improve. It's, it's something else we have to do. So it's it's looking for what's my next goal. Always yeah. having a goal. doesn't have to be material. doesn't have to be financial. doesn't have to be professional. But something, me as a person, how do I change every day? How do I do something more every day? Yeah. That's but, what we're doing. Yeah, and I think that's really prevalent, this, well, I know everything kind of mentality, because, you know, you tell a 12-year-old something, and they're like, well, I can just look that up. I can figure that out. I can order that. I don't, I can read the reviews. I don't really need anyone's opinion and advice. Whereas before, I think it was very much a community, a village raising the next generation, a village helping each other out. But now we're just kind of siloed a little bit. And so we kind of do our own thing. And if someone tells us something, we're like, I know better. I can figure it out. I can get an answer my own way. And that's... It's that's individualism. It's the pushback to individualism, which is why it's not a consequence of people being bad. The, the use of internet and social media has made this message so much more prevalent and pervasive that it's affecting even our kids. It used to be that you didn't feel like this until you were, you know, in your 20s, after you completed your degree and could live on your own, that you felt like, I know enough. Yeah. Now, this message of individualism and promoting the individual, whether it's through TV shows, movies, and you see it. Think of the idea of every kid's TV show. Where are the parents? 
You They're not have... part of the equation. Yeah. Why? Because the parents put individualism in check. They always keep an eye on you. So uh, same thing as we're consuming media, we're also consuming an identity. We're developing that identity. We're forming ourselves over the examples that we're seeing. So as we're seeing this, that's who we're becoming. So that's why this is becoming a bigger and bigger issue because it used to be that, you know, your kids' TV was, right, Saturday mornings, cartoons. Right. Maybe there'd be one show in the afternoon on weekdays that you could watch. But that's it. With streaming media, with social media, with TikTok, with, with all of these outlets that allow me to cultivate and customize what I'm watching, there's no time where I'm not subjected to these influences trying to manipulate my personality. Yeah. So, you know, censorship is real and it has to be real. We have to censor not just our kids, ourselves. Just because it's fun to watch doesn't mean it's good for me. There are consequences. There's actually a really interesting discussion about this years ago when um, Iraq started opening up as a country. A lot of Turkish media was dubbed into Arabic and brought into the country. And some of these Turkish dramas, and I say the same thing about Indian Pakistani dramas as well, too, really bad. Yeah. Uh, because what they do is they try to humanize sin and they humanize misbehavior. So one of these circus dramas that became very famous in its time basically told the story of a wife who had a very harsh husband. And the entire drama was behind the concept of justifying her going out and having an affair because her husband was mean. And now instead of looking at the sin in black and white, and adults, not even children, looking sin, looking at that sin in black and white that Allah has forbidden this action. No matter what you're going through, this is haram. Right. They painted such a picture that you felt bad for her and you felt like she should go out and have an affair. Yeah, she's right. And look at how that concept changed, how it manipulated our identity, how it manipulated our personality to take something that Allah has forbidden, that's hated, that's horrible, and made it to the extent where I'm cheering for the person who's performing acts of infidelity and sinning and doing bad things and saying, yeah, that's the right thing to do. Which is why we have to be careful. If we're not careful, if we're just looking at entertainment value, yeah. we're going to lose our identity and lose our values and adopt the ones that we're seeing on TV. Yeah. It's scary. It's really scary. And I think like indecency and just people being polite, like I, you know, even I don't even go into Target anymore just because half the time people are dressed in such a way where I'm like, I don't need my daughter seeing this. We'll just do drive up and pick it up and go. But as we continue on like year after year, I feel like society, it's getting harder and harder to be like, okay, can't watch this, can't do this, can't read this. So how do we continue entertaining ourselves? Like, cause we have to have fun in life. Let's build a bubble. Yay, bubble world. Um, not a wall, not a build wall. Build a bubble. Not a wall, build a bubble. Um, but do you think that's where I think the community aspect comes back in? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, game night or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like there are halal movies out there for kids. And if we screen them and just know them creating, I know that uh, I think it's playpure.org, if I'm not mistaken. That's a database that has excellent resources and also like lists of books and movies. And it tells you the content so that if it's something you're okay with your child. Let me message my wife that right now. Yeah. If you want, you can... Um, let your kids watch it and you know at least what's coming up to say like hey there's going to be something about a relationship or whatever it is um and even certain books you know everyone went mad over certain books but it's like just because they're going mad over it how do yeah. we make how do we find an alternative for our kids well, which is why uh you know one of the other conversations when we talk about what should 
right? We're out in a Simcoe conference. What should the Simcoe be doing? Yes. What should we as an American community and North American community be doing? It's building that infrastructure, building that content that we're missing. So instead of us relying on and saying, well, what can I do? There's nothing right. else for me to do. Let's let's talk about setting up media houses. Let's talk about setting content creation. Let's talk about, you know, and that's it, right? When our parents came here, it was your, your son should be a doctor, an engineer, a lawyer. Same thing with our daughters. I'm not saying our kids should be doctors, engineers, and lawyers. Well, where's the entertainment going to come? Where's the other content going to come? Right. Where's the, how are we going to round out? And that's it. If we don't have those skill sets in our community, yeah. we're going to be reliant on others to provide and their values to become our values. Yeah. So we have to be talking about this. Like, how do we finance good media? Yeah. How do we, you know, and that's it. Some people want to finance documentaries. Documentaries are great, but ask my six-year-old if they want to see documentaries. She does not. Neither does my nine-year-old. <laughs> so it's like, it's not like, you know, okay, when they're nine, they'll be okay. No, they may never be okay with it. Yeah. So what, does that mean that they're never going to be allowed to watch TV? Or does that mean that they we're never going to watch a movie? No, I mean, and that's why it's like, let's create the content that we need to fill the gaps. Yeah. And that's it. Eastern cultures are doing this. You, the Mukhtar series that came out. Yeah. The movie series or the, the TV series of Nabi Yusuf. The TV, this is entertainment. Even North Kids. I mean, that is North made Kids for... Great job. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of them. Gisa Kids does a great job. Yeah. Shia, I think it's like Shia TV on YouTube or something like that. We have some, but yeah. us, we're not doing the work. We're not being involved in the process and we're not promoting this. We get upset if our kids want to do this. Yeah. It's a mistake. Whereas we should take a little bit more action and be like, if your kid is watching TV and it's like nothing appropriate, take them out for a walk or, or get them together for with their friends. The and next time you see a fundraiser for making kids TV programs, invest in it. Instead yeah. of saying, what a waste of time, let's invest in it. When we see a, a stall that sells books for kids, instead of saying, ah, that's not for me, Let's promote it because maybe today it's not for me, but tomorrow I may have kids, grandkids, cousins, yeah. nephews, nieces. Let's promote these aspects so that we can, you know, we're not tomorrow. We're not caught in a position where we're complaining. There's nothing there. Well, but, but there's nothing there because you didn't do anything. Let's do some more. Be proactive. There you go. Okay. Um, so I think my last question. Uh, it's not bad. Not bad so far. Oh, uh, that's okay. Sorry. All right. Um, so we go to Muharram Majlis every year. Okay. And we hear the stories of Karbala, of Ashura, and we hear the phrase that Bibi Zainab said, I see nothing but beauty. Mm. Why do you think so many of us, after hearing these Majlis year after year, still struggle in our life not to see that beauty? Mm. How do we make sure that we remain positive? Because I think I could go through my entire day being like, man, the traffic. Oh my God, my boss. Oh, I hate this work. Why is there this? That mentality of not being grateful. Sometimes I feel, you know, when you have a regular conversation, even in our communities, sometimes it's just a little bit, a little bit negative. It's a little bit like complaining without being like, you know, helpful. Like, Hey, I think this is wrong. Let's do it this way. It's just, this is wrong. And that person was a fool to try it. <laughs> so, so individually or collectively? Mm, both. There you go. See, I knew that was going <laughs> All right. Individually, it's a process of strengthening our knowledge of God. The more we understand Allah, the more we build a relationship with Allah, the more we understand that Allah cannot, does not do anything except goodness. That was a statement to say that Zainab, her knowledge of Allah and her belief in Allah was so complete that she knew and she had a perspective of understanding what's in front of me and what's the reality behind it. 
So, and that's the same point we were mentioning. The better you do in the test, what happens? The more difficult it gets. So the person standing at the utmost difficulty, the most difficult thing in creation, is saying, I see nothing but beauty. It's because she's acknowledged the position of the creator in her life, the compensation the creator offers, and what's the conclusion that's going to come of this, rather than what is apparently in front of her. So as an individual, for me to be able to see the beauty behind the reality I'm fighting every single day, I need to have yakin and certainty in the presence of Allah. Who is Allah? What is my relationship with him? What is his relationship with me? And what does he bring into my life? What is the purpose of my life? Collectively, as a community, you can tell a story, but until you put a physical example to it, it doesn't work. Okay. The Quran, right? When we talk about the Quran being revealed to society over a period of 23 years, it was so that every verse of the Quran would have a physical example and event tied to it. So that every time a verse was revealed to people, they would say, oh yeah, here's the context. Here's what was happening. Here's what was going on. Here's what Allah meant when this verse was revealed. So now I've told you a story. I've told you a great story. Great. But until you see it in action, you're not going to know what to do with it. So we've told the story of Sayyidah Zainab. We've told the story of her statement. But until you see someone living those values, you see the community behaving in that fashion, that instead of whining and complaining about our problems, we're thankful for our problems as much as we are for our blessings. Until we see that happen, it's going to be hard for an individual to apply. So which is why, right? And, and this is, I think, a limitation of our communities, that we look at Islam coming from just the pulpit. The pulpit is the introduction to Islam. The morality, the character, the behavior, the mannerism is where Islam really hits, the rubber hits the road, where we actually see that. The action. So it's not enough that you came to the masjid, you listened to the masjid, and as soon as it was over, you walked out. You need to sit in that culture and that environment. You need to socialize that it's, the masjid can't be your only interaction with Islam. You have to find more and more opportunities of people that you can look up to in the eyes of faith and learn from. And when you do that, then you understand how to apply these statements in your day-to-day -day life. We have to see it. And when we see it, we can do it. So it's great to tell a story, but let's look for the physical examples to tie to it. Let's put ourselves in a Muslim environment. Let's find good leadership, both in men and women, that we can sit to and talk to and see how they struggle and go through difficulties and how they behave yeah. when something doesn't go the way they want to. And that will teach us how to do it. So it's it's a collective. It, the individual, there are things that we can do, and then there's applications that we can learn from seeing from each other. And that's why society is so important in Islam. Islam was not made for hermits. It was made yeah. for communities. So we have to do work. So go be a part of the community. Do good things. Do good things. I have a fatwa recommendation. A fatwa recommendation? Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously the question is, what makes you think that you and I are qualified to give recommendations? On I just want you to know, okay. well, I just want you to give an opinion on if it might pass. Okay. Can women wear fake nails? Sure. And have wudu count? No. Oh. <laughs> you can do anything you want. Uh, but don't ask Allah to compromise his rules for you. All right. His rule is what? Look at Ayah of Tahara in Surah Mahida. Where it says, which says that when it comes time to do wudu, wash your hand from your elbow to the end of your hand. As long as my fingernails are part of my hand, they have to be washed in part of wudu. So if you want to do wudu, you're going to need your fingernails. You can't cover them. You can't put something in the middle there when Allah is put. This is the rule. Awesome. Okay. A for effort. <laughs> Any final and go ahead. Considering that A doesn't start the word to effort, I'm not really sure. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> any final advice for those who are struggling? Um, 
who might see the end game and say, yes, I, I think I'll make it to the end. But in that moment, communication just... and friendship is very important. The same way we talk about a good spouse, a good friend is a very important thing. A good friend is not someone who blindly backs you. A good friend is your mirror who shows you your flaws and your good qualities and helps you correct your flaws before you face society. Having good friends be there as a support. You know, I think he used to go speak into Wells because he had lost those people who could understand him and listen to him. So ask Allah for good friends, have good friends, and it makes all these difficulties easier. You don't even have to talk to your friend about your difficulties. Just getting out of your head, yeah. being in good company, solves so many problems of changing our perspective. So don't try to do it alone. We're not built to do it alone. We're built to do it together. Ask Allah for good people in your life, and inshallah, he helps us all. Okay. Well, thank you so much for the discussion today. And before we go and find some more Chai and Mandazi, where can people find you if they want are interested in perhaps any more courses that you might that I spoke about? Um, so uh, the community website here posts information. Okay. Uh, will always have some information, updates of what's going on. And other than that, uh, you're welcome to share my email address. People are welcome to reach out. And if there's anything I can do, always happy to help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Join us again next month. Thank you again to our listeners for joining us on Sukoon, a Muslim wellness podcast by Nasimco. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website, nasimco.org. To keep this vital work going, please consider donating under general fund. Your contributions could lend you a special shout out on our next show. Until next time, salam alaikum.